and read verse number 20. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. That'll be the subject I'll be preaching on tonight. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The Apostle John was captured and put into exile on the Isle of Patmos. He was banished for preaching the Word of God and the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. So on this rocky island, this barren and desolate place, John was separated from the church, from the people of God, from the worship of God, and the enemies of Christ thought that imprisoning him here would put an end to his ministry and his end of preaching about the Lord Jesus. Well, the apostle was in the spirit on the Lord's day and received the revelation of Jesus Christ concerning uh, both issues that were at hand with the seven churches of Asia, but also prophetic words concerning the time of the end. John was hardly in any position whatsoever to have any kind of hope. He was old. Uh, he was exiled. He was hated by the secular world, hated by the religious world. He was afflicted, persecuted, and maybe thought he would die alone and forgotten. His life, which had been given over to preaching the gospel and teaching the saints of God, perhaps he felt was over except for those who were there with him on the island. His family was gone. His fellow apostles were gone. But John had hope. He didn't, there wasn't any hope that the Roman government was going to change their mind about him. There wasn't any hope of living a normal, peaceable life. But he had hope in Jesus Christ. He had hope in, in Christ coming again. He didn't sit there on the island wishing for death. But he longed for and he patiently waited for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. His hope was in the, the reality that Christ was coming again. Well, how about us tonight? Is the return of Jesus Christ something that you think about? Is it something that you look forward to? As God's people, we should not dread the return of Christ. I have known people who have dreaded that prospect, Christians who have dreaded that prospect, because they, they, they thought wrongly about the Lord. And they thought wrongly about what happens at the second coming. Some would say, well, I haven't lived enough life yet. I want to live my life before Jesus comes back. Because in their mind, they had, when Jesus comes back, 
the joy is gone. When Jesus comes back, then we go to heaven, and that's it. That's the end of the story. And they'd never have the opportunity to, to have joy again. But when you read of, of what we have in the new heavens and the new earth, and the joy and the feasting and the, the celebration and the worship and, and, and our resurrected bodies... You know, this, this world can't compare to, to what we have waiting for us. And the Lord comes back for those whom he loves. So if we dread the coming of the Lord, we should look and, and ask ourselves why that is, because we should not dread the return of our blessed Savior. He is our hope. It's not the end of joy, but the beginning of joy. And so that is why John says, even so, Come, Lord Jesus, just like you said, come, come again. And the first thought tonight as we read that, surely I come quickly, even so come, Lord Jesus, is there is assurance of his return. Jesus is coming back. And you can have assurance in that and know that for a fact because we have a faithful witness who told us. We have a faithful witness who told us. William Nicholson said of the return of Christ, Enoch predicted it. Abraham reasoned about it. Job expected it. The psalmist described it. And Solomon asserted in the Old Testament that there would be a day in which we would see our Redeemer face to face. But when Christ had come, and we have the revelation of Jesus Christ, we have the promises of him that is true. We have his very own words telling us, I'm coming back. I am coming again. And just as surely as the Lord Jesus Christ walked upon this earth, he is coming again. I don't know what may happen tomorrow, if there will be a tomorrow. I don't know what ha will happen six months from now. But I do know that Jesus is coming back. I don't know when, and I don't have to know when. I just know that he is. Why? Because he said he was. The scriptures testify. Jesus testified. And soon, there will be an end of all trials. When Jesus comes back, that's the end of all of our trials. That's the end of all of our temptations. That's the end of strife for us. The end of fighting and wars. End of hatefulness and, and bitterness. The end of all of our doubts. The end of of all the things that worry, worry us and get us despondent, of our self um, or righteous indignation towards sin. When the Lord comes back, that's, a, that's going to be a thing of the old world, a thing of the past. So our hope is not just to get out of this world through death. And as a Christian, we have hope even in death. It's, uh, it's sad for me to think about um, 
Brother Pete passing on, but he's a lot happier and than he ever was in this life. Lived a, he's been suffering for, for a very long time. And so I don't sorrow like those who have no hope, but those I sorrow with the hope that I'll see him again. You know, our hope tonight is not in death. It's in Christ and His return. Whenever to hope for death, we're always to look to Christ. Our hope here tonight is not in men. It's not in politicians. That, you know, no matter who it is, our hope is not in any politician. It's not in humanitarian efforts and charities and donation and action plans. That's not the hope of, uh, of the child of God. It's not in technology. Not in education. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is His sure promise that He's coming back. Over in John chapter 18, verse 37 this is the testimony. So Jesus gives us this testimony that he's coming back. And Pilate asked Jesus, Art thou a king then? So he's being interrogated by Pilate just before his death. And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end I was born. And for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. So Jesus came into this world to bear witness of the truth. The truth concerning himself. The truth concerning himself as Christ and as the gospel. But all the truth that he spoke, he came in to the world to bear witness unto that. So as, as one man said, he came to bear witness of himself as the truth, the gospel, and every branch that, that breaks off from that truth that he, he spoke of, he bore witness to that. He testified. This is the sure word of God. He who never sinned, he who never lied, bore witness and bears witness to the fact that he's coming again. The unchanging, inerrant, infallible word of God. Jesus declares that he is coming again. So you can rest assured tonight that Jesus is coming back. To deny this, would de to deny the whole of Scripture. If, if Jesus was false about the end times, he would be false about everything else. But he predicted his own death. He, he told, well, you remember as we went through Mark, we saw all the times where Jesus said something was going to happen concerning his death, concerning the betrayal of Judas, concerning how the, the Jews, the scribes, and the Pharisees would act and, and treat him, that he would be bound up and taken before men, that he would be crucified, and all the things that he prophesied concerning his own death was a sure witness 
He has never lied. No prophecy has ever, um, has ever been proven invalid. From the Old Testament through his own words and, and now the prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled about his return are, are just as sure. Because it is he who never changes and he that has ordained all things to come to pass promised it to us. So Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today and forever, who never bends or yields, who never fails, who cannot lie, it is he who solemnly promised that he will come again for us. And with all my heart I believe that he will return again. I believe these words, I believe this truth, because he is faithful that promised. I believe that he's coming back because I believe him. I believe the words of my Lord. And he said he's coming back. And and that is enough. That is sufficient to know that this is going to happen. Let's turn back to Revelation, but only let's start in chapter number one. This is who promised that he's coming again. Revelation 1, verse number 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The Lord Jesus who died for us, who cleansed us from our all sins, the prince of all the kings of the world. He who rose from the dead, the faithful and the true witness, has promised that he's coming back. In Revelation 19, in verse number 11, And I saw heaven opened. Behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. That's who promised. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Jesus Christ, the faithful and true. In chapter 21, verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for for these words are true and faithful. And so, the faithful and true witness, he who's called faithful and true, said, Write these words, because these words are faithful, and these words are true. He says the same thing in chapter 22 and verse 6. These sayings are faithful and true. And then down 22 and verse 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of this prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. 
He which testifieth these things say, Surely I come quickly. Amen. His words are so faithful and true that he says that there's a curse pronounced upon people who take away from his words or add to his words. That this curse is pronounced on anyone who would alter or, or try to diminish or try to change the words of the faithful and true. And so not only are his words faithful and true, but he promises that his word will persevere. He promises preservation to his word. He promises that, that this word will not end. It won't be lost. It won't be corrupted. I, I've listened to uh, some men who debate about which Bible translation that you should use and so forth. And, and one of the men, men I heard, well, I've often heard him say that a lot, you just don't know about a lot of the book of Revelation. And there's some passages of Scripture he would talk about and say, well, that shouldn't really be in the Bible because of this textual variant and, and this, that, and the other. And say, well, you know, we just don't know and about this verse and that verse and especially about the book of Revelation. He has a, a, a weird view of the scripture that the promises of God, um, that, his, that his word, you know, he puts curses upon anybody that alters it, and then he says, well, we probably have uh, versions, you know, we don't have all of the Bible, maybe, or too much uh, was added and so forth. But here, God is... You know, talking about the curses, but on the other side of that, it is a promise of the preservation of his word. If, if the Lord Jesus said that he would curse anyone who added to or took away, I would, that gives me confidence to know that his word would endure through the ages. If God would judge someone who would corrupt his word, then I should, then that logically would follow that his word would persevere. So we have his promise. We have reliable testimony of the Lord himself then promises that heaven and earth will pass away before his word does. And that he would curse anyone who would corrupt his word. Know tonight that the truth of the, the return of Christ is as sure a thing as, as, as anything that you would hear. He is coming again. So we, we are sure of this. So we should join John and desire to see him return. Even so, he says, even so. So in verse 20, Jesus said, Surely I come quickly, even so come. So we can think of it, surely I come quickly, surely come Lord Jesus. Verily and truly I'm coming again quickly. And John said, yes, truly, assuredly, come Lord Jesus. John desired for Jesus to come back. He trusted in the promise. He knew that the Lord um, was true. 
And so he rested in that precious promise that he would come again. So he could sit on that island and look up into the sky and say, one of these days, maybe today. And he looked with hope that knowing that the Lord would come back. All of the apostles, you read through the, um, the New Testament writers, and all of them were looking for the return of the Lord Jesus. There wasn't a, there wasn't a, a post-mill of the bunch thinking that the Lord wouldn't come back until the time of the, uh, until we brought in the millennial kingdom. No, they all looked for Jesus. They all looked. Even Peter, who the Lord told him that he would die, what manner of death he would die, even he looked for the return of the Lord Jesus. He desired it. As they saw him ascend up into heaven, Jesus said, I'm going to come back the same way. Or the angel told him that, that, that as he left the earth and went up into the clouds, he's going to come back in the same way. One of these days, we're going to hear the trumpet sound, and we'll hear the voice of the archangel, and we'll hear the voice of our Lord. And we'll caught, be caught up together with him and and those who have died and gone on, their bodies will be raised. And we'll be with Jesus. That's true. It's going to happen. John's words are the words of somebody filled with, with hope and longing. John, you know, his brother was put to death. His friends... The other apostles were executed. He's banished. He trusted in what Jesus had to say and his heart longed to be with him. We we ought to follow that pattern with the apostle John to, to desire the Lord Jesus as he did. His fellowship, his strengthening, his spirit, longing to be in his presence. So on one hand, we could, we could say, well, we should be looking for the Lord Jesus. But on the other hand, we should say, if we meditate on the Lord Jesus and what he did for us and what he's doing for us and what he has promised, then we should, you know, that would just follow that we will look for his promise. Not to look for his return for the sake of looking only, but longing to be with him. To have that fellowship. The joy of, of seeing our blessed Lord to be changed and, and to have this vile body to be changed like unto his glorious body. John thought about the promises of Christ. He walked. You know, John walked with Jesus. He talked with him. He ministered alongside him. He heard him. He saw him resurrected. He saw him ascend. Now his heart was on that promise of of him coming back. John's heart was on home. No doubt he would like to go back to be with the church and if he 
he had a choice, he wouldn't be where he was. But his heart was on eternity. The soon coming of the Lord Jesus. He didn't have a death wish, but he had a life wish. He had a living hope and a living Savior. And when the Lord comes back, it's not that he goes and that's the end of his life, but that, that is the beginning of eternal life. And so he longed for that eternal life without sorrow and pain and corruption and sin and the curse and all the things that, that hurt and harm and defile and disappoint. thought of Christ and thought of home. And so the next thought of our message leads to that is how faith in the coming of our Savior encourages the faithful. So it's going to happen. We should desire it to happen. But we should also have faith. And, and in this faith it should encourage us. Encourage the faith. How can it encourage us? Well, one, it can comfort us. So in First Thessalonians chapter four, verse seventeen. Well, verse sixteen. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord wherefore we'll comfort one another with these words Let's comfort one another who are burdened and, and sorrowful and despondent. That the Lord is coming back. That the Lord Himself will rise from the, the throne of the right hand of the Father. Not Michael or not... Uh, Moses and not Elijah, not Jeremiah, they're not going to arise. The Lord Himself. The Lord Himself, as He ascended up into heaven, well, will descend. And He'll descend with a shout. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So when the Lord comes back in that twinkling of an eye, our brothers and sisters who have died, their bodies will be resurrected. And then we, which are alive and remain. See, Paul looked for Jesus to return. He said, we. Then we, which are alive and remain. What will happen to us? We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. So one of these days we may be taking a walk, we may be lying in bed, we may 
be busy at work. We may be cooking supper. We may be doing all whatever we might be doing. And the Lord is going to descend. And then in that twinkling of an eye, faster than you can blink, we'll be caught up to be with the Lord. And there we'll all be. We'll all be there. All, all the people of God will be there. And there will be the resurrected saints who have gone on before us. We'll all be there together. All of God's people. From, from Genesis until that very moment. All the people of God of the Old Testament and the New Testament, all around the world, will all be there together. And then from that point on, we will always be with the Lord. We will ever be with the Lord Jesus. We won't ever be separated again. Those are comforting words. Those who die in Christ go on to be with Christ. You know, we're not going to be disembodied spirits. Not just going to be like ghosts floating around. Our bodies will be raised without sickness and without disease and without arthritis and without all the other bodily elements we may have. We'll be raised. A body fit for eternity. And there will be forever with the Lord. That's why Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Jesus said, I go, and I'm going to come again. I'm going to prepare a place, and I'm going to receive you to myself. Jesus went, and so he's coming again. Comfort one another with these words. So that encourages us to comfort. When we're down and we need it, Lift it up. It is the return of the Lord Jesus that will, will help us. Thinking about the return of the Lord Jesus encourages us in our Christian life. Look in the book of Titus, chapter number 2, verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Doing what? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. 
the grace of God has brought us salvation, teaches us to live godly lives as we are looking for that blessed hope. We're not working to earn a blessed hope. We know we're in this present world following Christ, looking for His return. The grace of God has taught us that. It has taught us to deny ungodliness. It has taught us to look for the world to come, to look for the, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it encourages us in godly living. Let's turn back a few pages to 1 Timothy 6. Starting in verse number 11. Paul encourages Timothy specifically in this, with this same line of thought. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life where thou art called and hast possessed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things before Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, before whom Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. That thou keepest commandment without spot, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen, nor can see, to whom honor and power, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. So the, the knowledge of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ was motivation for Timothy. It puts his mind right to know what to flee from, verse 11, and what to follow after in verse 11, and what to fight for in verse number 12. Thinking about the Lord will teach us what to flee from, to what to uh, follow after, and what to fight for. We don't want to be apathetic about this life, to hang it, hang it up or to give in. We don't want to treat it like a government job and and just beat in the time until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. But this was a motivating thought. It wasn't a thought to, to pack it in and, and bar the door and, and hide until he comes. But no, to, to live your life. To live it for the glory of God. To live every moment knowing that the Lord may return at any time. You better know what to flee from. Unrighteousness and and sinfulness and ungodliness. You, you got to know what to, to follow after. Got to know what to, to fight for. <clears throat> and and this, so you say, well, but, but Paul's talking to a young, a young preacher and he's motivating to be a young preacher. This is for all of us. <clears throat> There's a famous uh, radio preacher that's in a bit of a controversy uh, because he was uh, he was on the radio and he, he said that he he counseled a person to 
uh, go to a, a transgender wedding and buy a gift for him because uh, they they wouldn't want he wouldn't want them to think that they're judgmental Christians and just sort of you know and everybody thought well this guy's been faithful for many years he probably just wasn't thinking and wouldn't think of the implications and then he comes out and and doubles down on it and says no if you disagree with that then you're just a, a fundamentalist but but there towards the end of his life he's He's getting soft on these things, on, on things that the world condemns. You know, it's easy to condemn fellow Christians and call them a fundamentalist, but it'll cost you something to go against the pet projects of the world, the things the world likes, right? You know, he, he, he wouldn't dare say on public radio to, to, support, um, to support people who the world doesn't like, right? That, that's an easy thing to do. But to go against the current thing, well, he, he failed on that. And, and we can't give in. We can't give up. We can't say, well, I'll get in trouble. I'll be persecuted. I'll, I'll lose favor with the world. We can't say... I'm going to compromise on what the scriptures say because someone might think I'm mean and someone might think I'm judgmental. That was his reasoning. We don't want these people committing abomination to think that you're judgmental. So put, put your Christian witness at the mercy of people who don't believe in Christ. But what's Paul tell Timothy to do? To live in the sight of the return of the Lord Jesus. When he comes back, he'll show who is the king. He'll show everyone who is the potentate, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He'll show everyone who has immortality, who dwells in the light which no man can even approach, who no man has seen or can see. He's coming back, Timothy. Live in the light of that knowledge. See, see how that motivates us to stand firm that, that we're not out here by ourselves. The Lord, our King, is coming back. Let us live for His glory. And so that also helps us to know that the little thing I don't want to say little things, the, the ordinary things, the ordinary things of, of a Christian life matter. Godliness matters. Faith matters. Loving your family, loving your church, loving your neighbor, that matters. Showing patience. Living in meekness. It's not a waste. It's not for nothing. The simple, ordinary, everyday life that, that no one else knows about except for the few people you run into during the day that matters for eternity. That's what we've been called to. You and I haven't been called to, to, be, to be famous. We haven't been called to, to do things that, that change the world. We've been called to love our church, to love our God, and to love our neighbor. That's ordinary Christianity. Now God can do great things through that. That's what we've been called to do, to live 
for the glory of God today in the light of his return. And so that, that's what uh, Paul is stressing here. This motivates us that our Lord is coming back. And he's coming back and he's got a reward waiting for us. And in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, and verse 7. So Paul did this. Paul didn't give in. He didn't yield. He just kept going. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not only to me, but unto all them that also love his appearing. So Paul labored, looking for that day and that crown of righteousness. Whenever he was tempted to compromise, when he was all alone and everybody else was against him, he looked to his Lord and looked to that day and said, I cannot yield. I cannot give in. I cannot quit. I cannot lay down my, my, my Christian life. Sooner die than, than to, to lay down what I believe. And I know it will be worth it. Because up there in glory, there's a crown of righteousness with my name on it. Because the Lord has promised me. Not only to me, but to all them that love is appearing. Do you love his appearing? You love long for the appearing of Jesus Christ? Well, there's a crown of righteousness waiting for you. A crown with your name on it waiting for you there in glory. Anselm said, if a man should serve God a thousand years, he could never by that service deserve a half of day not one moment of time in eternal glory. We, we can't earn eternity. But God, by His graciousness, has, has given His people incentive to obey. And since He has given us incentive to obey with things such as rewards and this crown of righteousness, then it is right and good that we should look for these things. And be motivated and think about these things. I hear people at my job all the time talking about retirement. I heard somebody the other day is, uh, I thought, you know, thought of Brother RB in turkey season, but they were counting down uh, retirement and then five years, four months, <laughs> 13 days or something like that. They, they were counting down to the day when they were going to retire. Yeah, that's a long, long way to be counting down, but that's what they were looking for. That's what they're hoping for, and that, that they're, they're longing for it. Can't wait for the day to come. That's the way we should be with Jesus. If we look for his return to see his blessed face, to see those nail-scarred hands, to, to have that crown of righteousness... We look for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ who, who, when we see Him, will change this body to a body like unto His. For our conversation is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. 
And that's where we look for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That we'll be fashioned and changed like unto Him. So let's stand fast in the Lord and rejoice in the Lord. So there in, in Philippians chapter 3 and the chapter 4, so we won't read it, but if you read Philippians 3, starting verse 8 through chapter 4 and verse 8, talks about joy and right in the middle of that is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we look for Him. And then He says, stand fast in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Our joy is in the coming of the Lord Jesus. When is He coming back? Well, any moment. I, we don't know, but it might be before this night is over. Jesus said, Be therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh in an hour when you think not. We might not make it home this evening before the Lord arises and descends. That trump sound might just be moments from now. Wouldn't that be exciting? That we could just be moments and we wouldn't have to pass this, this mortal world through death and we'd escape death all together and just be caught straight up in the glory. I don't know, maybe tomorrow. Lord might come back tomorrow and all the things we're worrying about tomorrow. What are we going to do? What are, how are we going to make it? How are we going to get through this next trial? All that worry might be for nothing. I mean, worry is kind of for nothing anyway, right? I mean, you can pray about it, you can prepare for it, but after that, what else can you do about it? So, but, but you get my point. The Lord might come back and all that worrying would be wasted time. The Lord Jesus Christ will return and there will enter into our rest. The end of suffering, the end of pain, and there we'll see our Savior face to face. Well, I pray this message is an encouragement to service, a comfort to the downhearted, and, and fill your heart with joy if you know the Lord, that He is coming back and He's coming for you.